Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. We're three weeks deep into the NFL season, and things are certainly shaping up to look a lot different than last year. The Dolphins, yes, Joey, the Dolphins and Eagles remain undefeated. While the rest of the field is looking fairly even to help us work out the early season contenders from the pretenders is Fox Sports NFL writer Eric Williams, who joins us now from sunny, yes, sunny California. Hey, Eric, thank you so much for joining us, mate. Yes, touch on it earlier on. No one probably predicted it. Well, everyone, everyone else apart from Joey B, our little man in the back room there, the Dolphins, they are flying. Tui, Tangavailoa. Did you predict this, mate? Are you surprised? I'm very surprised. You know, I, I haven't really been a Tua fan. You know, the first couple of years, I just didn't feel like he had the arm talent and velocity to kind of make the NFL throws, at least from what we saw the first two seasons. Obviously, he's dealt with injuries. Mm. But, you know, they get Mike McDaniel, the, the econ professor. Looks like a librarian out there coaching the Dolphins. But uh, he's, he's he's been a beast, and the Dolphins have been a beast the first three weeks. To, to be able to beat the Ravens, the Patriots, and the Bills with the type of a pedigree those head coaches have in his first three weeks of the head coach. Major props to him. Tua is playing out of his mind. Obviously, they have a lot of playmakers on offense that's certainly helping them. And they already had one of the best defenses in the league uh, going into this season. So certainly they've been surprised along with the play of Jalen Hurts for the Eagles. Mm. Uh, you know, have had them at 3-0, those, those two teams. We, we expected, you know, what the Bills were going to do the first three weeks of the season, uh, them being 2-1 now after losing to the Dolphins. Um, but, but yeah, I would say the play of the Dolphins, uh, the play of the Eagles, and then Lamar playing like he's played the first three weeks, you know, uh, not signing a, a contract and playing the final year of his deal and playing like he's played. I think those are kind of the top storylines the first three weeks of the season. So just quickly with Tua. Tua's obviously... He was signed to the Miami Dolphins, had two years there, went through a torrid mm-hmm. injury situations that himself put himself through. So there was a lot of doubt there. You'd speak to everyone, they're like, look, I'm not quite sure on tour. Has he um, changed everyone's kind of thinking about him in three games? You've seen 
the toy tour tongue of Iloa that probably people predicted, but we're just yep. a little bit unsure about. Well, again, I think it's early. Um, so let's see how it plays out over the next, you know, four mm. to eight weeks and see if that what we're seeing is is truly going to be what he's going to be throughout the rest of his NFL career. Certainly from a play design standpoint, I think they kind of tapped in to what he does well, which is RPOs, throwing in breaking routes and being accurate, putting the ball on receivers so they can make plays after the catch. And, and again, just surrounding him with playmakers, you know, with, with, with Tyreek Hill coming over there. Tyreek Hill makes a lot of quarterbacks look better because of what he can do after the catch. And so if you can get in the ball in space, he's going to make plays. They, they can run the football a little bit, so they have balance. Um, but, yeah, I, I think the, the thing with Tua was his accuracy. I mean, a lot of people compared him to Drew Brees because of his size and his ability to throw with accuracy inside the pocket. With the play design that Mike McDaniels brought over from the, the Niners, we're kind of seeing him at his best right now. Hey, Eric, what's shaping up to be the strongest and weakest divisions? That's a great question because I think going in, we thought it was going to be the AFC West and the NFC West, and that's certainly not the case right now when you look at the standings. I mean, you look at the NFC East, which is traditionally, you know, one of the, the weakest divisions in the league, and, you know, you have the, the Eagles at 3-0, and and then you have Dallas and the Giants at 2-1. and and then again, the NFC North, another team that's another division that's traditionally very weak. Minnesota two and one, Green Bay two and one, Chicago two and one. So I would kind of point to those two divisions right now, and the team, the division that we thought were going to be, you know, uh, at the top of, of the league, AFC West, NFC West are, are struggling right now. Hey, talk talk to us about the the Chiefs and the Packers. Obviously, the Chiefs had a had a little, little bit of a blip in the road yesterday, and the Packers just kept flying. Mm-hmm. So they've obviously got one. Oh, battle of the old dogs, Brady Rogers. So he'll take one nil in that department. But Chiefs Packers, they're going to be there come into the season. They're looking like the ones to beat. You're being kind with the Chiefs. I mean, that was a dumpster fire. There's no <laughs> way they should have lost that game. I mean, you, you get a guy, you're, you're off the field, uh, and Chris Jones says a couple not so nice words apparently to, to Matt Ryan, which again I have question oh. with that with that call. I mean he wasn't like he, he threw a punch or anything, but again that's a point of emphasis with the NFL right now in terms of the the the, the sportsmanlike unsportsmanlike penalties. So they get new life and they're able to drive and get a score. But there was a ton of other plays that the Chiefs should have made, mm. uh starting with the kicker struggling and, and and things like that. So they lose that game on the road. But I think they'll be fine. They'll they'll figure it out. Um Packers, you know, two and one again, you know, they always start off pretty good and, and, and get to the postseason. It's their issues that they have in the postseason, really, that kind of define Aaron Rodgers and what's been going on with that organization. Just just not being able to get through the playoffs and to the Super Bowl. So we know the Packers are going to be solid. Obviously, they have um, experience issues at receivers that they're kind of working through. Um, but we expect them to kind of figure that out with the talent that, that is Rodgers at that position. Um, and again, I think you could kind of say the same thing with Mahomes with, you know, the issue with, with Eric Bieniemy and the offensive coordinator, they were kind of going back and forth uh, just before halftime as they walked off the field. Again, with a talent like Mahomes, you just, you just expect them to figure it out. I think the, the Chiefs have won the AFC West, I believe six straight times now. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's the seventh. They keep, and they keep it rolling along. Who's your MVP at the at the moment, Eric? I think it's Lamar. You know, I, I just think with the way that he is playing right now, uh, both making plays inside of the pocket and with his feet, 
Um, it just taxes the defense because you have to worry about him scrambling and getting first downs, you know, and being able to to keep the chains moving. Um, I think Lamar is playing at a very high mm. level. I would put him number one. Hurts number two. Probably Josh Allen number three. Ooh, okay, mate. I'm a, I'm a Carolina Panthers fan. It's been a horrible last couple of years. <laughs> I must say it hasn't been anything to smile about. But we got our first dub against the Saints. So is that going to yep. give us any confidence? Can you give me any confidence going forward? Can Baker take us through? I think Baker has looked better each game he's played in that system. You know, it's hard for Baker because he wasn't there for the entire offseason, so mm-hmm. he's still kind of learning that offense and learning, you know, what he can do within that offense. Uh, they get the Cardinals, I believe, this week. You know, the Cardinals are struggling a little bit as well, so that's going to be an interesting matchup. Kyla Murray. Hey, what's going on uh, me? Against uh, Baker. Um both guys played at Oklahoma, mm. um, know each other well, I would assume. And both those teams need a win. You know, Carolina's one and two, Arizona's one and two. Um, that's actually one of the games I'm interested in watching this weekend. It's interesting. Hey, Kyle Murray, he's uh, obviously um, been an absolute talent last couple of years, but they, they look to be struggling there, Arizona Cardinals. Hey, quickly, just on Tom Brady. Tom Brady, well, let's be honest, looks a bit all over the show this year. Personally, professional, should we be a bit worried? Yeah, I definitely think we should be worried. I mean, obviously, <laughs> with with what's happening off the field with his family, sounds like they weren't entirely excited about him, you know, unretiring and getting <laughs> back on the field. Is is Tom finally showing his age at forty five? Is is maybe there looks to be some chinks in the arm a little bit, but I, I'm not gonna to close the book on Tom. I mean, we, we've seen this happen too much where it looks like he's done and then he just figures mm-hmm. things out and. <laughs> and he's so efficient from inside the pocket. Um, let's 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 see let's see some more games and see what happens. You're talking about retirees. What about the rookie that's impressed you the most? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, hasn't really been any rookies really pop. I don't think this year. It's been mostly experienced guys. I'm trying to think like mm. some of the top guys that were drafted this year. Um, you know, Thibodeau got hurt with the Giants. You know, yeah, I, I guess Walker when the Jaguars has, has done a nice job rushing the passer. I and mean, really the Jaguars as a team, I think are, are one of the surprise teams. Oh, yes, Two are. and one Doug, Doug Peterson going there, you know, they finally have an adult coaching them. I think that helps, you know, based on what happened with Meyer last year. Um, and that's another interesting game. Cause I think you have Jacksonville going to Philadelphia. So that'll be a homecoming of sorts for, for Peterson going back and facing his former team that he won a Super Bowl with. But um, yeah, I guess I would go with Walker right now. Walker, ooh, yes, the Jaguars, man, they smoked the Chargers. That was an interesting result yeah. there. Just, just quickly, Joey Burrows, Joey B from the Bengals, are they having mm-hmm. second-year blues? What's going on there? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, they're, they're <laughs> obviously having struggle protecting him and, and, and keeping him clean, and that's why he struggled a little bit. They did get the win last week, so they get to one and two. Mm. Uh, but, you know, people know who they are now. When you go to the Super Bowl, there's going to be a target on your back. You're, you're going to get team's best effort uh, every week. And so they're dealing with that part of it. And they're, they're dealing with that reconfigured offensive line and trying to build chemistry with that group, that group to better protect him. So, again, you know, three weeks mm. in, we'll yeah. see if they can kind of get things going. You know, it's, it's early. 
Uh, but so far, it hasn't been great for the Bengals. Yeah, it is early days. We're only three weeks in. You did right. We've got a whole season ahead of us. And hopefully my Panthers can just keep on pounding. <laughs> Mate, I really appreciate you coming on the show, Eric Williams, uh, giving up your time and just shedding some light. The Dolphins, 3-0, very, very surprising. Mate, thank you so much. And uh, hopefully we can chat to you later on in the year when it gets to the juicy time of the season. Yes, good morning. Time to talk some Heartland Rugby. It's been a season to remember for South Canterbury, who are currently undefeated in the Heartland Championship. They're six from six with two games remaining in the regular season, and it's hard to see anyone upsetting them at this point. As the juggernaut rolls on, Saturday gone was a special occasion for several of the Waimati players in the squad, as for the first time in 95 years, the club hosted a South Canterbury game. One of those players is halfback Theo Davison. He'll no doubt have the nickname the Mouth of the South. Am I right, Theo? <laughs> Typical halfback, big mouth? Yeah, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I've heard that a few times, but yeah, I don't know how true it is. <laughs> you'd know, mate, you'd know. Hey, brother, um, obviously the season is flying at the moment. What's in the water, mate? You must be uh, pretty happy. Always things to work on, though, going into playoffs, but happy with the season so far? Yeah, so far it's been it's been pretty good. Um, it's, it's one of those competitions that anyone can get up on their day and beat you, so we've had a few tight wins and, and got through a couple of close games, but um, so far, it's been a very, very good season. Obviously, South Canterbury Rugby has had strong infrastructure for a while now. Is it a player-led, or does the union do a lot to contribute contribute to your success? Uh, it's a bit of a mixture of both. Um, the, the, season, uh, the last two years, we've had uh, a lot of experience in the team that have been there for a few years, but uh, the union really gets behind the, the team and um, backs us all the way. Mate, what about your combination with Sam Briggs, the 10 from Nelson? He's flying at the moment. Are you enjoying that little relationship? Yeah, Briggs is a good man. He's a great footy player. I don't know how he hasn't cracked um, the top the top comp in the yeah. country, but uh, he's uh, he's outstanding for us, and he has been the last two years. Mate, which other teams have impressed you? Um, you know, Wanganui are always always strong. Teams Valley, um, our neighbours North Targo and Mid Canterbury, who we have this weekend, they're always tough tough to beat. Um, yeah, it's just a really strong comp. It, it, everyone's good on their day. Yeah, it's 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 competition flying, mate. It's great to see some of the lesser teams um, obviously fighting for some competition. You got East Coast who are trending in the right direction the last couple of years, but mate, um, talk to us about the week as a Heartland player. What does a week in Theo Davidson look like? Like the trainings, how much do you get together? Your analysis, talk us through it. Uh, we just get together on a Tuesday, Thursday night. Um, obviously, we all, all work through the week and then head up or head to training for a couple of hours. If we're playing up in North Island, we'll we'll fly out Friday and have a wee training run on the Friday afternoon wherever we're playing. And then game day, Saturday. A little recovery like session? It. A little recovery session, boys, uh, wearing the old recovery <laughs> garments, the other tights and little ice oh. baths or what? <laughs> oh, not quite that intense. Straight back Usually into the gum boots, eh? Yeah, resting the head after a big night on the on the Panthers. <laughs> on, the, on the recovery juice, that amber. Yeah, 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 yeah of course. Yeah. Hey, hey, Theo. You know, one thing I have noticed about that comp is the amount of Fijians that are running around in it. There's there's some decent players there. Um, what's your experience with the boys at, uh, from Fiji? Yeah, they're great guys. They're all just super athletic. 
love enough off love an offload, but they're also awesome off the field. Usually uh, set up a wee carver session <laughs> after the game and later on the night, and it's, it's quite good to get around, get everyone around each other, and yeah, get into that. A bit of recovery. Well, there we go. Yeah, eh? yeah. yeah exactly. That is the best. They love, they love it, mate. But we know you're juggling. You're juggling a bit of work with rugby. Is it true you're also one of the most elite gas fitters in the country? <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. I managed to get a good result in my exam last year somehow. Um, must have fluked it. Oh, yeah, that's still good. Hey, so what about the, the characters in the game? Um you know that that you're running around with or playing against the. Is there have you got someone in your team that oh, sort of always? You know, couple you, from Mount Pleasant. I met them not so long ago, actually. Who who are those blokes from Mount Pleasant? Yeah, I, I went and uh, delivered the Pleasant uh, Pleasant Point. Sorry, Pleasant Point uh, Rugby Club. I delivered. Oh, sorry, yeah, 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 yeah. There was a couple of uh, pundits here playing for your team. I can't remember the names off a of heart, but they were good crack. Gray. That's him. Gray. That's him. Front row. Yeah, he's a good bugger, yeah. yeah. He's actually, he played a couple of seasons for Wyoming and then left us, so a bit, a bit gutted about that, but he's a good man. He got, what, did he get a, a bigger check to, to leave the club, did he? Oh, he, he, he must have, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what happened, yeah. yeah. Oh, beautiful. Hey, mate, what about Zach Mackay? Yeah, how's, Zach, how's Zach made his transition? Obviously, I played a little bit back in club rugby in Christchurch, mate. He's gone there, big talent. He's had his fair share of injuries, mate, but what has he brought to the side? Old Noodles, he's outstanding, eh? He's just a great man. He um he just he's the solid solid guy in the back line that doesn't do anything wrong. Reads the game so well. What's your expectations, mate, rolling into the finals? Uh we've got a couple of big weeks to get through first, so I've mm. obviously got Mid Canterbury and East Coast who are both both um tough games. Um and then it's just yeah, take it game by game. Hopefully we get a semi at home would be nice and then get through that and then the big dance, anything can happen. Is it the big dance is at pleasant point, isn't it? I think if you make the I've, home, I've, I've heard a few few rumours. Yeah, yeah, I, I believe so. Beautiful. That's a good good track there, mate. It'll be even better next year because again the new turf, courtesy of PGG yeah. Rights and Turf. Eh? How good was that? How, how good is that? Yeah, it's going to be bloody outstanding this year. Hey, mate, just quickly before we let you go, your last game taking on East Coast. Is that up at the coast or home? Nah, down home. Yeah, down Geraldine. So. Oh, mate, if you're up the coast, time. you would have had a good old feed. That's for sure, mate. You would have been oh, crayfish yeah. galore. <laughs> that's, that's my favourite place to go, that's for sure It's awesome, they look after you out there Yeah, beautiful mate Hey uh, Theo, we appreciate you coming on Six from six, you're two away from heading to the playoffs Chasing that back-to-back performance win In the Heartland Championship We appreciate it mate, all the best And keep fitting that gas brother <laughs> Cheers guys, thanks for having me There he is, Theo Davison Good dudes eh yeah. Mate, we still train Tuesday and Thursday, remember that? Mate, Tuesday, Thursday, that's it. Then go yeah. and play on play on Saturday. I was talking to the lads about hey, just two trainings, nighttime training. These boys always work. I said, like, oh, sure, the captains run. They're like, nah, nah. Oh, if we travel and we get there early enough, we'll go have a captains run. But you know, we'll just chill out. <laughs> captain like, runs a warm up. Man, like for 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 the amount of time they have on their field, 
Not that, you know, it's pretty good standard, really. And look, South Canterbury, they've clearly got the mix off the field right because the, there's a huge sustainability factor. They have been good for a long time now, and they sound like they've got real committed players. And, and look, that's half the, half the battle is actually getting people to commit to the, the one common goal, and that is for them winning the Heartland Championship, the Meads Cup, which they go very close to doing every single year. Some great texts here, including James thinking that Kempi's a left tackle <laughs> or left right out. <laughs> we'll clear the rest of them. Cut it out, Jimmy boy. <laughs> James <laughs> we'll get to those <laughs> the rest of those checks after this Kempe we're going to talk some Rally New Zealand how good eh tomorrow the return of Rally New Zealand a decade in the making will be complete the event gets underway and the glorious sounds and smells of the highest performance rally vehicles will be found in Auckland before some of our most beautiful spots around the North Island gets a taste of the world's fastest cars on gravel. Michael Goldstein is Rally New Zealand CEO and has been central to the return of this event for a very long time. Now, Morena, Michael. Morena, Tony. Morena, Morena, mate. A day out. You must be excited. How are you feeling? Um, I'm, I'm pumped. <laughs> yeah, I'm pumped. <laughs> he says with trepidation. But um, no, it's been a big few months and um, we're getting to the pointy end. So, we kick off tomorrow. Can't wait. Mate, it's obviously been a, a lot of water under the bridge, Michael. Um, ten years. Ten years since uh, we've had a bit of a taste of, of rally in New Zealand, mate. Talk us about the journey to get it back here. Yeah, it's, it's a long time ago. Um, geez, we sta- I started in 2015 over in uh, Australia where we thought they had it for three years and then it was going to come back over here for three years, but... Um, we got met with a pretty frosty reception back in 2015 from the Aussies who wanted to keep it. Um, so we just kept kind of pushing away and eventually we got it back and then obviously COVID scuppered that and now we're back 10 years on. Well, they have to keep something. They can't get the bleeders low. <laughs> um, but, mate, just clarify something for us. Is it true that you're racing in the domain tomorrow? Like, what do you do with the speed humps and, and the, the glass <laughs> houses and stuff cars. like that? They just fly right over them. Yeah. <laughs> they, got, they got wins. Yeah. Yes, yes, we are in the domain, and it's at 6 o'clock tomorrow night, and it's free. Uh, so hopefully the weather plays ball, and lots of people come out, because this is like the first time to see the this new generation vehicle in action. Mm. And, um, you know, the WRC has changed a lot in 10 years, right? Like, we're now in uh, hybrid electric mode with fully sustainable fuel, and these little cars absolutely fly. And people will be blown away tomorrow night at the domain. Oh, mate. Oh, it's going to be a hell of an event to watch free. So go along to the domain. You can witness those fast cars firsthand, mate. Uh, how much of a logistical challenge has this whole event been? Well, we, the, the rallies are across 275 kilometres of gravel roads, mm. um, plus the domain. So, you know, to, to use public roads... Um, you know, obviously requires traffic management plans mm. and engagement with communities. And this um, overarching um, principle of safety is just paramount to the event. So, you know, to, to ensure, maintain that the roads are safe through these, these cars going 100 kilometres an hour, it's, yeah, 180 kilometres an hour, sorry, is, it's, it's a lot of work. And, um, you know, we've got a team of hundreds and hundreds of volunteers that run rallies you know, from Hawke's Bay and Otago, but this is this is the pinnacle, and um, it's it's um, it's a really interesting part of the sport, to be honest. You know, it's it's different to running a um, 
you know, sport in a stadium or, you know, in a golf course, mm. you know, the, the infrastructure and the volunteer base and the experience required is, is quite immense. And, um, yeah, it's a really interesting part of, of this major event. Mate, it's a hive of activity down at um, Solo Park there. What about funding uh, the event? You know, you talk about numerous volunteers coming on board, but does a council get involved? Do the, do the government get involved in making sure um, with all this, all these people, international people coming over, they, they support you? Yeah, but events like this aren't possible without mm. public sector in New Zealand. So we've got a lot of support from Auckland Council, Tataki Auckland Unlimited, um, and they've been behind this event for a few years now through the highs and lows with COVID. Um, yeah, the event brings in over a thousand international competitors and participants. And if you come down to the um, Silo Park, which is free, the service park down here, you'll see people from Finland and Sweden and all around the world who are, who are here to either drive, co-drive, be mechanics, the media. Um, you know, the, the number of people that are coming into Auckland for this event is immense. Mm. Um, we'll have over 30,000 bed nights this week uh, associated with the event, um, which is also fans, right? Like the fans from all across New Zealand, people are listening now, they know, Literally, the ticketing information is fascinating. The, the regional dispersion throughout New Zealand, people coming. Because um, rallying, I think, has got this place in our hearts. It's very grassroots. It's got a long legacy. Um, and it just blows me away when I look through the people who have bought tickets. They're from Otata and Greymouth and nice. um, you know, Whanganui. And it's just like really, it's really diverse. And I think that that was all part of the story in terms of bringing people to Auckland to come and watch this event. So, so you're talking a thousand participants. I was talking to Louis off here. Um, you know, I'm I'm limited in my rally knowledge, but as what's are the strength of the drivers? Are they the full strength um, drivers that are coming from around the world? Is this like a fully strength event that we're gonna gonna see here in New Zealand? Yeah, hundred percent. This is this is the world championship. There's thirteen events around the world. And we're one of them. Same points for us as there is in Monte Carlo, as there is in Sweden, Finland. Um, so this is a full-blown event. It's like if you watch Drive to Survive, you know, this Formula One calendar, we're one of the events. Um, it's just this is Formula One on gravel. So, um, what's really exciting this week is that um, we're around 11 of 13, mm-hmm. and this young Finnish star, Kale Robinpera, um, if he wins, then he'll win the world championship already with two rounds to go. Well, well, tell us a little bit about that, Michael. Like, give us a give us a couple of names that people should be looking out for. Who do you who do you think is going to be leading the uh, the leaderboard um, through, during this event? Yeah, well, Robin Perez, you know, he's got the world championship at his fingertips, mm. and um, if he wins, he, he'll be twenty. He turns twenty two on Saturday, so he's crazy out. young world champion. <laughs> Um, Where's the birthday party? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Jack's Ridge. <laughs> um, so he's, he's the favourite, but um, road position makes a real impact because he's first on the road on Friday, which means that he sweeps sweeps the road. It's a bit slower. Mm. There's more gravel on there. Um, and so what's really interesting with this event, we've got Sebastian Ogier also competing, um, and he's in a Toyota and... He's got a, a, a road position which is much later, so he's got an advantage on Friday um, with the road being swept. Sebastian Ogier is a name that people probably not as familiar in New Zealand as they should be, but he's won the World Championship eight out of the last nine years. 
but he's a he's a he's a living legend in rallying. Uh, because we haven't had the WRC in New Zealand for ten years, we haven't. He's only been down here once. Mm. So you know, Sebastian Ogier is a huge name in motorsport. He's he's one of the best drivers in the world across all disciplines. And him and he's he's kind of the old guard, and Robin Pierre is the young guard, and it's going to be an interesting fight between the two of them this week. Oh man, how good will that be for the event if we did crown the world champ WRC here in New Zealand? It'd be a hell of a party, I must say. Hey, just quickly on on Rally New Zealand and, and, and our own participants. You've got Hayden Pan, you've got Shane Van Gisburg, obviously the big the bigger names that are rallying around here. But what does the pathways look like for for drivers in New Zealand, mate? Is there a lot of up up and comers coming through that we could probably keep an eye out for? Yeah, absolutely. There's there's Pathways through communities across across the country, whether that's you know the Catlins Coast Rally mm. through to the New Zealand Rally Championship, and then this is obviously the pinnacle. Um, so there's there's about 45 Kiwis competing this week, um, nice. and some of them are the up and coming stars. So one that's quite notable is Ari Pettigrew, who um, is uh, yeah an up and coming star. He's he's got um, Greg Murphy's old um, holder, and um, he's. He's a red hot favourite for the New Zealand Rally Championship um, this this week. Um, but yeah, when you, when you go out there, there's, there's a number of different categories of cars and lots of Kiwis. Whether they're um, you've been around for a while or they're the up and coming guys, it's um, it's all part of the mix, you know. Kiwis competing alongside the international stars. Beautiful, mate. Great to hear that we're in good stead. We were actually just talking earlier on. We got good uh, memories of growing up and playing Colin McRae Rally on PlayStation. So that's the closest we got to a, to a rally car. But we're, one the, of, we're the same. Uh, we're the same generation, are we? Yeah, yeah. You know what I, I mean. Mate. A, I even bought an old bloody. Corolla to hoon around the paddocks and <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I did that with my mum's car until I hit, hit the um, hit my neighbour's car and then got an absolute clip theirs for that. But mate, I'll stay away from that for sure. Hey mate, we appreciate you coming on, Michael, and well done getting WRC back in New Zealand for motor fans around the country. And great to see ticket sales from all parts of New Zealand are going to witness and enjoy this event, mate. Uh, congratulations and all the best for the next couple of days. It's going to be outstanding, mate. Thanks for having me, guys, and hopefully everybody comes out to watch because this thing doesn't come around every every year, that's for sure. Yeah, beautiful, mate. You never know. Might not be back. Might be another 10 years knowing those Aussies, eh? They always want it all. Oh. They want it all. They don't like sharing. <laughs> They've got to earn it. Got to earn it. Tomorrow, the domain. Mm. I'll be there. I can't wait. That's so cool. So they don't even, they just fly over them. The speed bumps, they go, the <laughs> hydraulics, the suspension's that good. They go that quick. It'll just be like... <laughs> They would be good. How good hydraulics are? You wouldn't even probably it wouldn't probably bounce. wouldn't even mm. notice it. You know what would be really good is if you they had like you know you could pay your five bucks like you used to back in the old Rainbow Z and jump in one of those cars and take it around the course. Well, you reckon hire a rally car? <laughs> what, you, you, you want to drive it? <laughs> well, with five me. bucks hire a rally oh. car. Just give me a thousand bucks insurance. <laughs> oh, great, Granddad Kemp. You, you, what would you go? Sixty kilometres? <laughs> oh, I'd get around there <laughs> eventually. Honestly, that would be great, eh? That'd be great. Like so, oh, he spoke about Greg Murphy. Well, uh, t- last year I went to Greg Murphy's house, mate. He's got a simulator in his in his in his garage. He's got plenty of millions. They jump in, mate. Do the V eight supercars. Do the Formula One. Change the steering wheel to a Formula One. Gun. How realistic are those simulators? You jump in one of those, and you think it's so easy. You know, they're just really the detail. You put your foot down, you spin out. 
Yeah. Man, it was cool. And that's the closest we're probably ever going to get to driving <laughs> an F1 or a yeah, You need to take Kempe and Greg's car. house because I don't think they're going to let him take one of these for a spin down Silo no. Park over the Harbour Bridge. But tomorrow night, 6pm at the Domain, that's when it kicks off. I think there's an exhibition drive from about 5. Uh, wander in there. Just have a look and, and go check it out because they've put a lot of work to get it out here. So I think we should mm. definitely support them. Um, other motorsport news, and we'll bring Aroha in here because she's far more articulate on this sort of thing yep. than us. Oh, steady on the articulate. <laughs> oh, you're right, oh. You, you are the uh, all things sense and sensibility around here. Um, I'll Formula, take that one. Tick. F- Formula One doubling their sprints, their sprint re- events to six from to next year. What does this mean for Formula One fans, Aroha? It means they are sucking us into watching that little bit more. <laughs> so. Firstly, can I say, Izzy, I would like to see you try and fit into a Formula One car. <laughs> I'd get a really big shoehorn and just ah. figure that one out. I think you could probably get one on each foot. Oh, no actually. Charles no Ledag. <laughs> yeah, what, Charles what Ledag. <laughs> Charles Ledag. Well, you know, Kempe will give you a go too. <laughs> I will slip you into one. So what they... <laughs> What they do with Formula One is they monetize it. And you know how we mm. had that big heartbreak about the America's Cup going offshore and we, we don't like this idea that it's not really Team New Zealand's boat. Well, in Formula One, they have Finnish drivers driving in German teams that are British teams that are based in Austria, I don't know. So it's really monetized. Mm. So having these sprints... Is another way to make the weekend more exciting. I t- I'm a, such an F1 nerd, and I know that people out there will may hate what I think about Formula One, and that's fine. You have the teams that you like, and I have the teams that I like. The sprints do add a bit of something to a mm. weekend, because otherwise, what you end up doing is, because in New Zealand time, you're up at like three in the morning watching free practice one, and all they're doing is practicing driving round in squiggly circles. You watch them again. And then there's a bit of qualifying, then there's free practice three, then there's some qualifying, which is kind of a race of one lap, and then the race isn't until Sunday. So what it does is it gets viewership up and attendance up. It gets people to turn up more because there's some kind of, can't call it a race, um, sprint um, before the big race. Mm. So they're sucking people in, essentially, with more, 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 more. (laughs) Yeah, they are. It works too. I'm up like at one in the morning, get me caffeine. Not Red Bull, don't like them. Just joking, Max. Um, Not that he needs me to like him because he might win this weekend. He has a mathematical chance of winning the whole thing this weekend. Been teasing it all morning, uh, but this weekend, for the first time, all 14... All 14 Bunnings Warehouse NPC teams will take the field wearing pink socks in support of Breast Cancer Foundation New Zealand. Steve Lancaster is the GM of Community Rugby for NZR. You've come in a few times now, Steve. It's always great to have yeah, you back in, and especially for something like this, which is an initiative I'm sure you guys are stoked to get off the ground. Yep, really positive initiative, and uh, it's something that the, the 14 provincial unions were really keen to look at this year, was to have a charity round. And we thought, you know, with um, this year being year of, that we're hosting a, a Rugby World Cup for women, um, Breast Cancer Awareness Month being the month of October, that it was a perfect charity for us to acknowledge. Maybe was it tough? Uh, like, obviously, floating the decision around to, to get into the charity it would have been difficult to pick, particularly with so many, well, cancers around in New Zealand. But you've chosen breast cancer. Is How have Breast Cancer Foundation taken this initiative? 
Yeah, really good, mm. really good. It's, I mean, this is an awareness exercise for yeah. us, really, just to you know to help raise that awareness and pink, you know, pink socks on all fourteen teams. Well, pink on seven and, and white on the other. Um, um, so the home teams will wear pink and the, the and the away teams will wear white socks. But um, it should it should be really visible, really noticeable. Um, the other thing that's really cool is um, Otago have um, re- yeah. recolored the, the O on their jersey pink, and and that's the first time that that the O on the Otago jersey hasn't been gold in, in its entire history. So the, the unions have really got into it. You see the, the NRL with what they've done with the uh, women's round and the use of colour and stuff like that. What, how have the players accepted um, this is an opportunity to really mm. you know, give back to the community? Yeah, I was talking to um, Charlotte, um, who works in, in marketing the NPC competition um, earlier this week, and she was down in, uh, in Vicargill for the Southland game on the weekend. They wanted to come back actually after the win. They think she's a lucky charm, but um, <laughs> she said the players were really positive, and you know they were approaching her after the game, saying this is just great. And mm. you know, back to your question, Izzy, around was it hard uh, landing on a charity? Not really. Breast cancer um, mm. it affects a lot of families in New Zealand, a lot of people, yep. and so uh, not a lot of debate. Frankly, it was a pretty it was a pretty easy one to land on, and the players have been really supportive as well. But is this at the forefront of uh, your mind going forward? Like you've got a big platform here with New Zealand Rugby and, and the brand that it is to to go forward and, and, and create awareness not only for breast cancer but totally so many foundations around around the country? Yeah, it's an opportunity, right? I mean, we, we, we think this is going to land really well. I mean, it's you know, it's kind of a, a, a no-lose proposition, right? Like, we can raise a bit of awareness. Um, it's you know, The teams get behind it. Everyone feels good to be supporting a positive charity. So hopefully it's something we can build on in future years. And how do you make sure it's genuine? Uh, that you're doing this in a genuine way. Look, obviously, wearing pink socks is as a way of showcasing the colour that represents um, breast cancer. But going forward, is it, how you make sure it's just not a one-off? Yeah. Well, again, it's you know this year it's a, it is it is a one-off, I guess you'd say, and that we want to see how it lands. But again, we expect that it will be that it, that it will land well. I can't really see any reason why it won't. Um, we are um, supporting fundraising around it as well, so it isn't just a token. Mm. Um, you know, there'll, there'll be. Um, There'll be a contribution made by each team that's hosting from um, from their gate for the for the weekend, but also there's the opportunity for uh, punters at home to um, to text a donation as well, right? So you nice. don't necessarily have to be at the game to be able to contribute to the charity. I think wearing socks is a real good visible um, way of doing something. Do, is it probably in the future that you also go into clubland and that you have a, a pink sock round? So that identifies this as your charity, is your charity round, or is it just always going to be targeted at the NPC? Well, again, we haven't really, we haven't thought beyond that. And, and look, any decisions around club rugby would be decisions that are made by provincial unions. But mm. look, as I said, the, the fourteen unions involved really support have got on board with this really mm. quickly. And you know, it wouldn't surprise me, in fact, if if they were willing to work together. Uh, to try and do a national club round. And wouldn't that be cool if you had every club team in the oh, country wearing pink socks? I, I only ask that question because Mark Hughes does the same thing with his hat. You know, he had brain cancer, played a Newcastle, old Newcastle boy, and they, they have a, a Mark Hughes round and they wear a, a beanie every year and he raises millions of dollars. So I guess it's not just about wearing the pink socks too, it's about everyone else contributing and trying to raise some awareness and some funding for that, that association. I'm, I wish you all the, all the luck. I think yeah. the visuals on socks are, yeah. are such a good way to do that. And, um, mate, awesome. I love the socks. Pink. As he loves the socks. Well, By the way, he that. needs some. I think, um, I think you'll enjoy the cupcakes that are underneath them as well, right? <laughs> hey, uh, Steve, now the competition, the NPC this year, uh, we spoke about it yesterday in depth actually, how even it has been. 
at the start of the year, we ran a little feature here where we gave Izzy and Kempe the chance, one after the other, to draft the teams. So they got split into two, and then we're going to add all the regular season points up to the total of their teams and see who was going to come out on top. And I think there was a, a lunch in a helicopter yeah, to Waiheke <laughs> on. Oh, Lunch, calm down. Um, now, you wouldn't believe it, but one round to go, plus the game tonight, Kempe is leading 166 to 163. They nearly did set tied. Izzy's got Hawks Bay, he took them first, of course. Well, you think Kempe would take Taranaki, he went for Tasman. He thought with his, he was going with the head rather than the heart. So Izzy took Hawks Bay, Canterbury, Wellington, Bay of Plenty Counties, Manawatu and Southland. And he's really only being let down by Manawatu and Southland at the bottom. Then Kempe's got the rest, Tasman, Auckland, Waikato, Taranaki, Otago, North Harbour and Northland. But the fact that they're 166 to 163 probably is symptomatic of how even the competition's been across the boards, barring one or two teams that haven't mm. got going. So as a product, how proud have you been of it this year? Yeah, we're really delighted. Like, it's it's been a great competition. Mm. And, and not just have the games been close and unpredictable, but the quality's been really good. Yeah, so, you know, it doesn't matter what game you sit down and watch on a weekend. Um, it's really good rugby. And results have been unpredictable. You know, teams have been getting up, teams have been getting beaten. Mm. Taranaki beat Canterbury, and you know, and um, and then they lose to teams that you might have thought they would they would beat. So, um, it's been a great competition. I mean, and that's the trademark of a good competition, right? Is that um, t- that any team can win? Absolutely. I love and, it. and heading down to the pointy end, um, like Canterbury's the juggernaut, right? But you got a roughie? Don't say it. <laughs> Don't say it. I always get put on the spot here, and I, I always have to show my true colours. So, you know, Canterbury. Canterbury's my team. It's a setup. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he was down there when I first arrived, mate. Can't take the patch off legs. Hey, uh, just just quickly, you are probably the busiest man in NZR with community rugby. There's been some great announcements. Uh, gone by and, and I love what you're doing mate you're really giving back and genuinely giving back to, to community and, and creating awareness um, but going forward any anything you can just shed some light on mate you got announcements coming out left right and centre I love it well, they wouldn't be announcements if I oh, shared the ball, would they? I know, but what is at the forefront of your mind? What is at the forefront of your mind going forward? What is something you're really passionate about and want to see a bit of change? Well, what we are really um, putting a lot of thought into now is how do we lead the shape of the game for community participants, right? So, mm. you know, as, as a professional game evolves, um, it, frankly, it just gets further and further away from a game that, that weekend warriors are able to play at the same level with the same intensity and skill. And so we're just looking at shape of the game, right? How long should the season be? Um, are, the, are all of the rules that we see on TV uh, fit for the community game or do we look to change them? So watch this space. But we've had some experimental law variations in play this year. Um, we see that as the beginning of some work that will, will play out over a number of years as we just try some stuff, you know, and it won't all work, uh, and we know that. And, and in fact, we've learned that, that this year from some of the things that we've trialled. So while it's easy to jump up and down and say, oh, you can't do that, it's madness, the only way to find out is to try it. Mm. Hey, just quickly, I've got one for you. Oh, here we go. All right, I've got one for you, and I've trialled it, and it works. All right, so down in Taranaki, we put together a competition that ran six weeks before the kickoff of the pre-season for Rugby Union, and it took two years for the Rugby Union clubs to understand that we were getting their boys fit for Rugby Union, and I told them that I'd work with Taranaki Rugby Union around that. Do you think, in these rural communities where we're losing players, because that's what we're doing, that rugby league and rugby union could could work on a model together in community that gets the same people from the same town playing a rugby league preseason. So moving it to summer and getting them ready to play in a rugby in a rugby union full season. 
I do actually. I think that's a great idea. It's you know, and we we have talked um, you know for some time now about the fact that rugby and, and rugby league don't need to be competing with each other. Not at all. They're both over, both very similar games. Um, so yeah, I, that's a great so idea. So Colin Cooper, Colin Cooper, and and Eyebrow, the manager for the Clifton team, mate, they're over the moon. And we are as a as a rugby league club at Waitara because we haven't had a premier grade. Mm. We've had more than thirty. 30 boys show up to training. So I just think if you can take that back to the community game, Steve, I see that being a real benefit for rural communities to keep their men playing sport through the summer and winter. Couldn't agree more. That's a, that's a great idea. Really like it. And, um, yeah, we'll take it back. Um, just If I can just build on that as well, I was in Taranaki last week and uh, Mike Sandler, the CEO, was telling me they've done something really cool with um, with uh, teenage girls uh, rugby down there. So mm-hmm. two of their clubs have started up a Friday night uh, seven-a-side yeah, competition and... So what they've recognised is actually there's no point in going head to head with netball and hockey and other sports. Let's just shift the the, the shift the, the window the timing, and, and so that's what we and that's what we did window. with the comp. Yep. Yeah, it's just shifted it so you can still have the boys come back and nice. they're fit and ready to go. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.